Wired helps you become a halal investor in minutes. Clients from over 40 states have already started their journey with us. Here's how it works. First, we ask you eight simple questions to recommend a portfolio based on your risk profile. You then select your portfolio and simply sign up online. Your account can be approved in seconds. After you fund your account, we'll place the trades for you. All you have to do then is sit back and monitor your performance. It actually is that easy. Asalaamu Alaikum guys, welcome to the TMV podcast by The Muslim Vibe, sponsored by Wahid Invest. Today I'm very fortunate to be joined by none other than Siddhika Jaffa and Fidha Saeed as we talk about the halal food industry and all above. Um, so yeah, very well, well, I'm very fortunate to have you both with me and uh, I feel educated about this industry because I'm not going to lie, I don't know much about it. Learning a lot about the halal food industry, the first question I wanted to ask is, What's the difference between the two of your businesses? So we have the Halal Dining Club here, which mm -hmm. is, I believe, an app. Is that correct? Essentially an app a, for... A bit more than a bit more an app. Yeah. Go and elaborate. That's all. So we like to think of ourselves as the one-stop platform okay. that connects diners to restaurants that cater for them. Right, okay. So we support your dining journey from discovery <coughs> to reviews mm -hmm. to booking and getting loyalty rewards. So Okay, so yeah. definitely more than that. Yeah. <laughs> and then so what does uh, the London Haludi entail then? Um, well, I started off as a halal food blog that kind of looked at more fine dining and then nicer places in London. Right. Um, but now it's just kind of everything, uh, a bit of halal, a bit of um, pescatarian food, just a bit for everyone to... Um, so I go out, I review the restaurants, I talk about them, I take amazing pictures. <laughs> um, and that's probably about it. Okay, okay. So... What, what would, would uh, make some young person like myself, um, because I'm assuming we're of a similar age fitter, you know, like, uh, what, what would you make me... You must be me? very young, then. Uh, well, <laughs> just for men, it does me justice. But, um, but you, know, what, you know, coming out of education, etc., what made you decide to, you know, start blogging, for instance? Uh, I know we mentioned earlier that you also have another day job and whatnot. So, like, you know, what got you invested and in, in, kind of infused by, you know, starting blogging around you know halal food and the halal food scene i think more than anything else um i have a real passion for writing so when you're writing a blog you need to have a passion for it because it's very time consuming it takes a lot more than what people see so you really need to have a passion for it which i've always enjoyed writing but i think more than that being a british muslim i actually grew up in kenya um, okay. And I lived in Mombasa for a good part of my life. Big everything, Mombasa. <laughs> <laughs> um, everything there was probably halal. We didn't really have a, a concept of halal haram right. um, in terms of food. And we moved to London uh, when I was about twelve, thirteen, and then all of a sudden, you know, you you can't eat this. You can eat this. There's only certain places. And when I first moved to London, um, the halal scene really wasn't around at all. Mm -hmm. um, so. Growing up, I discovered like all the places that I could eat at and I couldn't, and it was just you know all my friends. I'd take them to the places, and I think you just you have to become really passionate about that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. um, I just found that there was some establishments that weren't. Um, they didn't say that they were halal, but they served halal food. They actually some of the restaurants now. Yeah. Um, I mean, the industry's come such a such a long mm. way. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the opposite the sometimes now, right? In the yeah. sense they say it's halal and it's not halal. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no. Um, but again, there's some restaurants now that are 
totally into it. They have halal menus. Mm. Um, they have a whole halal section for if you don't want to mix um, with people. You know, they still serve alcohol, so it. You know, they'll be really open about it. Whereas mm. ten ten years ago, they would serve halal meat, but they wouldn't tell you unless you asked. Right, so right, yeah. um, it was just it was just a way of sort of sharing my experiences with people. And I think because my passion was writing, it's just a the best kind of an amalgamation of your experience the yeah. necessity of it and uh, at the same time as you say your your, your passions um interesting because then that brings me to you Sid uh mm. okay so n- none of the formalities um but yeah um in that you know I remember when you first said right I'm deciding upon you know uh launching an app and Obviously, as I say, you know, having known that, you know, you're a mother of, what is it, three, four, five, six, how many, how many kids now? Like, <laughs> three, Three, right, okay, sorry, just keeping up. Um, but, you know, obviously, you know, uh, and uh, coming from, you know, a comfortable background in the sense that, you know, uh, you, you, you're able to, you know, spend time with your children and be a mother and all the rest of it. What then did makes you decide, you know what, I want to spend 24 hours a day launching a business, you know, amongst all of this, um, you know, uh, and to basically, as I say, you know, uh, invest so much time and energy in something which is a very competitive market mm. as well, um, you know, with technology booming now and everything else what made you decide specifically again you know the halal dining industry the halal food industry when you know embarking on setting up an app was it the halal dining industry came first and the idea for an app came second or vice versa no so um, actually before I, i launch into that it so my transition was actually from a corporate background, right? So it's not like yeah. I was a stay-at-home mom. Right, it was right. I was working full-time, yeah, doing yeah. very high-pressure Hence I met, work, what I mean in the, in the sense of, you know, comfortable life, you know, like, yeah. you know, if you're working for somebody and you've got family to right. keep and everything else, like, it's very much, uh, as I say, you know, it's going to shatter that, you know, kind of comfort and uh, really, yeah. like, drive you. But, but I tell you what, um, it was actually it was, it was a journey that had been bubbling for quite a while, right? right. So, so like Fizza, actually, the the moment when it sort of dawned upon me that I wanted to do something about this was we moved from London to Singapore, mm-hmm. and I found myself in a new country again. And you're on this discovery of okay, I'm in Asia. This is supposed to be foodie capital of mm-hmm. Asia. Where can I go and eat? So I'd go into a restaurant, and one day they'd tell me they were halal, and then I'd drag my friend along. I found a great place, and then they'd be like, "No, we're not halal." I'm like, "But you just said two days ago you were." Like, what happened? Um, so that lack of transparency, and but this wasn't a one-off. It happened right. repeatedly. Really? Yeah. And so that lack of transparency, the lack of actually understanding mm. amongst the staff in that restaurant about what was halal, what was not halal, led me to think there's got to be a better way to solve, you know, to find out where I can dine. And like, I mean, it's one of the few pleasures of life, right? And people come together over meals. And, you know, when you're in a distant land, it's it's really the way you bond with other people. So there was that kind of going, why can't I find a good sort of solution to this? Mm. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'd kind of got to a point with my career where I you know, got, I loved consulting. I love mm. helping other businesses. But I felt like I wanted to make a difference to the world at scale. Okay. And I kind of thought, like, what can I do? Like, what skill sets do I have? What can I bring to the table? But at the same time, make an impact. And so part of that discovery journey was, okay, well, there is this problem that needs to be solved. Mm. And at the same time, restaurants were also struggling because it's a very competitive market as you know i don't know the rate of closure for restaurants 40 percent close in the first wow. year wow 
And a lot of these guys were doing it because they didn't have other skill sets. Okay. So it's like, how can I help them with the things that they don't have the skills to do? Like digital marketing, for example. Right. Um, raising their profile and awareness in the digital world, mm -hmm. which is where everybody is now, right? Mm, yeah. Um, and, but then at the same time, I was like, okay, well, this is really a first world problem. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to find a way to weave into that, this sense of a global community. And if, you know, we dine out, can we also feed somebody else in the world at the same time? Wow, okay. So those three things were kind of my problems that were going on in my head. So the I, charitable element to this as well then? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that was, from day one, that was my thing that I had to have that in, okay. you know, in the business, because that would be my way of making a difference. Right, right, um, right. And, you know, beyond just, oh, I've found a great place for you to go and dine. So I'm your halal concierge. I want it to be more <laughs> than that, you know? So, um, yeah, so that, that was the journey. And, and, and the decision to kind of focus on that full time came from kind of like three months of actually sort of lots of research. I mm. went and spoke to lots of Because were you people. doing this whilst working then at the same time initially? Like? No, so I fortunately managed to take some time out to do a master's. In <laughs> so you know, just throw that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, when we moved to Singapore, I was freelance consulting, right, which right. meant I could take projects on and off, you know, when I, when I went, I wanted to. And at the same time, I thought to myself, look, I'll do a master's in innovation because that's the one area that I've always loved. And whilst I was doing the masters, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I had some headspace for once, you know, to actually <laughs> think about things. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought, you know, actually, there's something, there's something here. Okay. So I spent three months of that time, mm -hmm. you know, fully researching this and yeah. before deciding to hang up my consulting boots. Hang up yeah. your consulting boots. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, well, I mean, I'm glad that you have because uh, having uh, followed, you know, your recent successes and whatnot, like it seems like you've made some trailblazing movements in that, you know, you're featured in the Forbes top five Muslim startups, I believe. Is that correct? Yes, yeah. that was, alhamdulillah. Which is, yeah. you know, uh, any, anything attached to Forbes is like just exciting in itself, right? Um, you, you know, know the word, I don't hear anything <laughs> else. <laughs> <Yeah. after. laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, not only to, to mention that, you know, um, uh, I believe that you actually featured at the top of the Play Store app um, for a short period as well. Is that correct? Yes, in June. In, in June. June. We that were was in June. Above Deliveroo and I was like, I've got to capture this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny little startup beats a multi-million dollar startup. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's phenomenal. So. Like, you know, so I mean, you know, accolades like this really must... Uh, spur your kind of like um you know motivation to to keep growing and keep continuing but how difficult is it um to set up a business like this like you mentioned just in itself talking about uh, other failed businesses um you know obviously within your research as well um you must have looked at some of the stats re regarding you know um digital uh, businesses alike you know um how difficult was it to make that decision? Say, right, I'm going to do this full time, I'm going to get the investment and mm -hmm. all the rest of it, which goes uh, alongside. You know, so here's the thing, right? Uh, and this is not talked about a lot. Entrepreneurship is like this big, sexy word at the moment. Mm. But most startups fail, particularly technology startups. So in right. fact, the success rate is only 5%. Okay, right wow. and you know the, the unicorn kind of stuff that you hear about is is so rare yeah. that's why it's called unicorn right, right. um <laughs> it's extremely difficult like mm. this is the hardest i've ever worked and actually i think motherhood has helped prepare me really for it yeah because the the you know it's like the lack of sleep you know your kids are going to claim that yeah. <laughs> yeah. i made you mum. <laughs> <laughs> 
um, but but yeah, just the resilience you need to kind of keep going even when you're absolutely shattered. Mm. The ability to plaster on a smile when you just feel like absolutely you know rubbish inside. Mm. Um, it's it's a tough road. Mm. So I you know I went into it knowing that it might not succeed. Um, and being ready about ready for that, but it's still very difficult because mm. the more emotionally attached you become yeah. to it, it becomes very difficult to kind of allow it to to fail. Right. So yeah, you know, when we when we get accolades and things like that, in a way, it's just like okay, people are noticing the work that we're doing and it's beginning to pay off. And mm. for me, you know, all of that doesn't. To, to some extent, they're just labels. Right. Really, I want to make sure that we make a difference to, to people's lives and that yeah. we're here for the long term, you know? True, true, so, true. Um, well, I mean, that brings me to, to you for that, and that, you know, I mean, whilst they are just labels in one sense, at the same time, uh, especially within, you know, the Instagram world and, you know, like, um, and blogging and vlogging generally, um, it is a numbers game, uh, essentially. Um, so similarly, like, you know, um, how... How much time does it take for you, like uh, alongside? Because I believe you you also write for the Metro now as well. Is that correct? I do. Yes, um, I've been writing for them for a few months. Um, actually, it's quite a funny story. Um, Please. <laughs> I got an email from them, but for some reason it went into my spam, and mm. I was just checking my spam and don't normally. And I saw an email from someone from the Metro, and I was like, this must be a joke. Okay. <laughs> Why would the Metro want want me to write for them? <laughs> because um, in the grand scheme of things, um, I've only been blogging for about two. Years and um, there are much bigger bloggers out there so uh, I mean but you're not doing bad in this, I mean 5,000 unique uh, you know kind of followers you know eight and a half thousand on Instagram it's, uh, it's still an achievement within itself as I say you know as a presenter myself I know how hard it is and every day I'm checking <laughs> you know, have I got one more follower like, you know, like so, uh, so yeah. yeah you know when you're in the thousands it's pretty good but, yeah sorry I mean it's it, it is difficult because yeah. I think the bloggers that and the Instagrammers that started five years ago, six years ago, it was an amazing time. But mm-hmm. I think now, if you search halal food on Instagram, you will get thousands and thousands of right. pages. Right. Um, just in London, probably mm. everyone because everyone loves a good food picture, you yeah. know. Um, and I think everyone wants to do the same. Uh, so I think uh, I've, I've been lucky that I've got as many followers as I have, and mm. they're all very, very loyal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice to to add the personal touch. You know, they, they'll message me. We have chat we meet up mm-hmm. um, but it is I think the world of Instagram like you said is a game of numbers um, especially now uh, Instagram's changed the algorithms and made it even more difficult so it's, it seems like this is an ongoing discussion you're yeah. nodding your head here as well because I'm sure Absolutely. it affects you as well like and as I said like um, you know whilst we are young uh, but at the same time we haven't been born with like you know uh, a, a telephone in our hands necessarily um, and yeah I'm trying to just get to grips with this you know when I talk to my YouTube friends and whatnot how has this uh, algorithm thing really affected you guys like <laughs> is it massively affected like uh, the traction you receive and like you know uh, how your feeds go out to people and etc yeah definitely I think especially as a I think if you you have under 10 15,000 followers yeah people above a certain number of followers are more likely to be seen by Mm. other people whereas as a small to medium type of um, Instagrammer Mm. um, I really have to push and push and push until you get sort of the people that you want to attract and I think because of that it's kind of if you don't post once a day or twice a day Mm. it becomes all the more difficult and I think 
Uh, I started off as a blogger, not an Instagrammer, but it's kind of now the way mm. that the Instagram world is going into. Yeah. People will read my blog because of Instagram. Right. Um, right. Which is good and bad in its own way. Um, but I think some people have been luckier than others. And then it is just a game of luck, I think, in Instagram. Mm. If you get noticed, you get noticed. If not, then you just have to keep pushing through. Keep pushing <laughs> through. Which is uh, essentially what... Uh, um, I believe it is uh, most people's story in that, you know, as you say, it, you know, it seems to, to many that it's uh, something that's just come out overnight, you know, the successes Absolutely and stuff, not. and like you're shaking your head to the no. girl. Um, <laughs> that is not the case. I mean, you know, for you to be named amongst the top 500 global Muslim leaders doesn't happen overnight, does it? Does it? Does it? <laughs> no. I mean, like, like you, we've been going for about two years as right. well. So, but, but like I said, I mean, we, you know, me and myself, my team, we work incredibly hard. It's mm. like we live and breathe this all the time. How, how big has the team got now then? Um, so, well, we've got six developers um, oh, and then the rest is about eight of us okay, on top okay. of that. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. and we're all over the world, so <laughs> which makes it more interesting. <laughs> so, no, I mean, you know, anyone who thinks that success comes overnight, mm. it's a myth. It really doesn't. You've got to work really hard at it. And, mm. you know, I think the biggest thing is, I think as we're talking about Instagram and things mm. like that, things keep moving because we're in a digital world. Yeah. Things change so quickly now mm. um, that you have to, like, keep on top of it. You've got to keep educating yourself. You've got to keep figuring out, you know, <coughs> what is it? So sometimes we'll sit there and we'll go, we thought that was going to do really well. Yeah. And, like, why hasn't it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think the the big reality is that there is no proven path. There is right. no well-worn path that you can tread. Right. You have to keep going out there and experimenting and learning and, mm. and pushing. Mm -hmm. well, so. well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, in, that, in that light, I suppose, how competitive is it then as a food blogger generally? Um, um, and, you know, in terms of... Uh, Comparing the halal blogging industry to, you know, the mainstream uh, food blogging industry, uh, are there much difference in the, the nature of them or are the models quite similar, um, if you understand what I mean? Yeah, I think generally it's quite similar, but I guess um, people who are looking for, it's a smaller market, obviously, mm. um, but again, in London is one of the best places to be in today in terms of halal food um so yeah definitely it's it, it's a smaller niche right. um but at the same time the people that i think we're lucky in the fact that i wouldn't want to change what i do as in i wouldn't be want to be just a foodie i would always be a halal foodie right, right. um because i think the the people are so loyal in terms of um the followers you have the engagement you have so um, and as you said at the beginning you know it's about the i suppose the necessity of it and that those mm. followers that you have they're looking for a lot of food specifically right yeah. so you want to provide them with those reviews those kind of options etc um yeah. so yeah that loyalty wants to be repaid i suppose yeah yeah definitely yeah. and obviously like i said the uh the, the market has grown so I think I, I never imagined it to be at the space that it is at the moment. You know, people are jumping on the bandwagon. They want to they want to serve halal meat because they know that there's a market for it. You know, mm. media is caught on to it. And uh, well, that, that's an interesting point to bring mm. up because uh, both, you know, for the positive and the negative, um, you know, we briefly touched upon it at the beginning. You know, people might remember news articles on halal food being about, you know, a Pizza Express serving halal chicken, you know, exactly. and all the negatives yeah. around that um, a few years back. Whereas now, as you mentioned, people have realized the economic power 
of uh, of Muslims generally mm-hmm. and our consumption within you know uh, you know be it food or fashion or whatever um, and so in a way people are as you say jumping on the bandwagon could be one way of looking at it because those who may not have been interested in the halal food mm. now suddenly see um, a reason to be um, do you find that that competition generally has brought about any negatives in regards to um, you know your, your business uh, existing and ethically as well in that regard I have so many stories and I don't know you know how we're going <laughs> to well, this is the place to share them isn't it <laughs> but, um, you know, okay, so I'm going to make two separate points. Out. One is that in the halal world, you know, it's interesting you say that a lot of people will be loyal to you, but but I've also seen the other way. Like, you can either get it right or very wrong in the halal okay. space. And yeah. I think the thing with our community is that we either support each other, but you make one mistake and the everyone knows, They're right? Not very so, forgiving, <laughs> are they? Yeah. No. So, I mean, in the beginning, you know, we, <coughs> for example, we, we're global, right? So, we wanted to make a decision about where we stood on halal, right? right? Like, what was our definition of halal going to be? Okay. Uh, and it's very different in Singapore to what it is here. And there's lots of different factions. So we decided, look, there's like 140... I actually researched it. So there's 147 different certification bodies around the world. Are you serious? No, and there is not one unified definition. So they're working on it because there's an economic benefit to having a unified because definition I mean sorry to interject but just briefly because I was going to say that I remember doing a talk show on this exact subject and the different halal bodies or companies turning up and so there was four and that in itself was like um, you know (laughs) we we were having all sorts of like mad uh, arguments being thrown so 147 different definitions of what it is to be halal there's there's going to be nuances right 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 so you know, we were like, okay, we're not going to align ourselves to any one particular body. What we're simply going to say is this per- this restaurant is certified, you know, has a certificate on display, yeah. regardless of where it's kind of come from, because there could be three or four different competing bodies in one single country, right. okay. for example, right? Yeah. So, so then you get customers telling you, oh, but why are you listing that versus that? And you're kind of going, because people eat there (laughs) and some people are like how can you list somewhere that sells alcohol as being halal and Mm -hmm. you're promoting a restaurant that serves haram Mm -hmm. and and you know these are these are important questions because at the end of the day i did this to help people i didn't do this to earn more sin and kind of burn in hell right (laughs) (laughs) the last reason it's like the worst thing to do so um you know these are important questions but i think you you're never going to please anybody so there there is some negativity mm-hmm. in and amongst the community itself in the sense that some people will judge you you know without knowing that your intentions are pure yeah yeah that's one thing the flip side of that is that you know i, I can tell you heartwarming stories of restaurant owners who've decided to go fully halal right so there are some restaurant owners who are muslim mm-hmm. who were serving alcohol for example mm-hmm. And have now made the decision to not. And they get abused by their previous regulars. Okay. Who turn up and go, but you are an Indian restaurant and I can't have <laughs> Indian food without having alcohol. Yeah, yeah. And like, I can't eat here now. So they're losing business because they're trying to become more halal. Mm-hmm. But they're not getting the support necessarily from the halal community. Right, right. And then you've got the flip side of restaurant owners who don't know the first thing about it. And mm. will call me up and kind of go... How do I become halal? <laughs> and it's beyond just the halal. And so it's this really interesting conversation on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. I get a phone call from a burger owner, restaurant owner, 
saying, um, you know, I just discovered after a year that my meat supply is all halal. <laughs> and he said i do have pork on the menu like bacon but i'm thinking i might just take that off because you know since i discovered that i've been telling my muslim customers that my Mm. my burgers are halal and you know business is booming right but except i still do have bacon so i said to him there's alternatives there's like turkey bacon and beef he was like really (laughs) i was like yeah let me put you in touch with the suppliers you know and it's it's brilliant because they they're seeing that actually there's a market opportunity and now mm. why some people might say oh they're profiteering mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. poor guy's own family won't eat there because they're like we think halal is cruel and barbaric we don't know why you're doing it we're not going to touch your food wow so these poor restaurant owners are really kind of stuck that's in, quite yeah in the quite, it's quite a dilemma isn't it it <laughs> is it is you know and there's just so much confusion about what halal actually means like mm. i was at a um, conference food matters live which is right. a really big food conference mm. right and i remember talking to a brand and they literally backed away from me when i told them that my business was halal dining club they were like halal i'm just going to back away from this you know and then yeah and when i explained to them look there's lots of i I sort of i just dealt with it head on i was Mm -hmm. like look there's lots of negative connotations around what halal is but the stuff that you hear about it being cruel actually do you know that most of the meat is stunned anyway Mm -hmm. so 84 percent of the meat in the uk is stunned halal Mm -hmm. meat Mm -hmm. so we're only talking about 12 percent which is non-stunned and then they started slowly re-engaging oh i didn't realize that and then Mm -hmm. you tell them about the aspects of ethical rearing and you know no home hormones in the so I mean your position is really one of educating as well then first yeah. and foremost and in, a, in a way right yeah and that's why it's challenging because mm. you've you know you've got to overcome mm. all these myths and you know labels well, I mean similarly then Fither I mean do you come across this when you know if you're uh, I don't know you know writing a review on a, a new restaurant you've tried out or you know um, or if you're for instance being asked to write an article for the metro um, do you find that you get pulled into this whole argument about what is halal and what's not halal and you know is this restaurant certified and okay by the community or not um, you know what's your experience in that regard yeah actually um the metro wanted me to write about why we should choose halal over non-halal but it's a very controversial subject um and i personally even though i'm in the area i don't think that i could have gone into it and done it justice so um i stick to what i know which is food Uh, (laughs) but i think um on the blog and um on instagram and the messages that i get from people they again they say the same things that you know it's not halal if you if they serve alcohol if they you know if they serve other types of meat um but i think the point is that muslims in today's day and age are so diverse anyway you can't please one person uh you can't please everyone to under forsake one the rest then, yeah, yeah like, exactly there's so, always going to be somebody who's yeah. like, you know, noises out of joint right yeah but i think the way that i deal with it is i will always tell my followers that they do serve halal meat but they they also serve alcohol and other um meats on the premises so you know whatever suits you best yeah, yeah. um so in a way i mean both of you you're, you're in a position of educating but also it's more like a platform for you know the options to be uh kind of like perused if you like you yeah. know and for then the individual to make their decision exactly. you know um because like 
some people I know, you know, they're they're fine with eating at a place where there's alcohol as long as the meat is halal, etc. Mm. Other mm. people are adamant that I don't want to step foot in. Everyone has their different degrees and levels. And again, we mentioned at the beginning, um, whilst many of us live in cities now, that's not the case for everybody per se. Right. Um, and I imagine that a lot of, again, your initial startup thoughts were around, you know, like you said, your experience in Singapore, whatever it may be, where those more rural areas are or where there is less, um, you know, uh, halal meat traffic, you know, um, people need to know, you know, what are their options, be it halal meat served alongside non-halal meat or a complete 100% halal exactly. situation, whatever it may be. I mean, but putting that aside then as well, um, so we know that, that that's a great help for many, you know, families. Uh, you know, I remember when I went to America um, and I was in some random town and like, you know, <laughs> couldn't find food anywhere right drive for hours right and this was years ago and there was one company called sabia.com or something like that Mm. which would find you um you know those locations i wished i had an app like yours you know (laughs) at that time then right um but you know so those are the positive sides of things you know um what negatives have you experienced then in regards to maybe um, even the over-industrialization of eating meat, you know, have you thought about how we encourage Muslims to eat? Because whenever we say halal, mm. we think of meat, right? Food is more than meat. Of course. Okay. <laughs> um, and I'm sure there's excellent cuisines and other foods which equally require the halal procedure to be taking place. Because within halal, there's dayib and there's obviously the actual methodology itself, right? So in that similar sense, some people just want to know that it's been cooked by a Muslim or it's had that kind Mm. of like, you know, that ethical input, you know, of putting God in your mind when you're cooking or whatever it may be. How do you encourage people then to eat other foods as opposed to just meat and chicken and meat and chicken? Is that something which you guys think about? No, no, it is, it is. So actually, I, um, we try to be meat-free Mondays in our house. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay. Um, I I sort of, you know, okay, so it's one thing, we do actually have a Muslim-owned icon as well, so you could, if that Mm. that is your level of, you know, I really need to have it. Yeah. Someone say Bismillah before they cook my food. Yeah, Yeah, you have a Muslim-owned icon too, right? Um, But we do, we have featured things like vegetarian places and actually somebody said to me the other day why don't you do a halal and healthy kind of section I said oh we do do have that you know occasionally so we Mm. do collections where Mm. we go and find this actually um, on our app you can actually filter vegetarian as well because there are lots of Muslim vegetarians yeah Mm. yeah so we do actually have listings for vegetarian food well this is what I'm saying because this is a big thing you know whereby I mean when we're talking about you know uh, Islamic values and Islamic kind of practices um, you know people often forget that the Prophet only used to eat meat a few times in a year right Right. Um, and so this is why I asked you know because I've met a lot of Muslims now who are like you know if they're not vegan or vegetarian completely, they're moving towards it because they're realizing that the more meat we consume, mm. the more kind of mistreatment of the animals within slaughterhouses and, you know, the more pressure that's put upon, you know, providers um, to... Because I've heard other horrible things where people advertise it as halal and it's not really no, halal because they've yeah. run out of, you know, their supplier of halal meat or whatever it may be. You know, how do you guys navigate those kind of situations as well have you ever had you know a restaurant where you've okayed it or you thought that it's halal meat and later on on down the line you found out something other this just happened to me last week <laughs> oh no yeah. spill the beans spill the beans <laughs> 
So Pod yeah. uh, in the city has like 20 locations and they used to use halal chicken. Right. And then uh, one of our, apps, so what, what we do is we call everybody once a quarter. Right. right. But we can't call them every single day, right? Yeah. So what happened was one of our app users actually messaged me and said, Pod no longer serves halal chicken. I was like so thankful to them because I called Pod headquarters up straight away and they were mm. like, yes, we've, we've just changed um, supplier. Mm -hmm. So now our chicken's no longer halal. Okay. So we oh, went no. and delisted them basically. Okay. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the thing that supply does change, right. particularly when they're not Muslim owned and things yeah. like that. It's yes. a matter mm. of quality or convenience or price or mm. whatever decisions mm. they're making. Supply does change. And so, you, I mean, mm. how, how many non-Muslim uh, kind of business owners do you find are joining the kind of halal food industry like is in because we mentioned earlier it seems to be profitable for people we've yeah. mentioned that you know uh, the individual scenarios you had given even Siddhika I mean for the you know being a blogger you know how have you had conversations with like non-muslim owners whereby they're like really thinking about going into halal food as a result of you know um people like yourself or just you know customers and clientele and then realizing there's a demand you know is it a massive uh, kind of re-education now whereby people are finding that you know yeah yeah definitely I mean um, I think in in the halal in the non-halal space more than anything else like Sadiqa was saying mm. um, people are catching on to it more and they know that there's a market for it so um, because the Muslim industry is growing obviously so they want to tap into it yeah. because um, obviously you're closing yourself off to a market if mm -hmm. you don't serve that but at the same time there's there's restaurants um, as well that you know really want to stick to their British roots right. um, but at the same time serve halal and make sure it's it's ethical and mm. um, all of that and mm. so for Am I allowed to take names? Yeah, go for it, go for it, go for it. Um, For example, The Great Chase is yeah. a restaurant in Camden, and um, one of the owners is Muslim, but the other one isn't. Okay. And I spoke to the non-Muslim one, mm. and he was very much up for, you know, having halal, their meat's ethical, um, they're all about um, British, uh, the quintessentially, their, their menu is very British, mm. uh, sort of like Sunday roasts and that kind of thing. Interesting. But at the same time, they want to bring both worlds together Mm -hmm. you know they have still have the ethical halal meat and they're not getting a kickback from their non-muslim customers uh, they find no, no? So I actually asked yeah. them this question mm -hmm. as oh, well please, yeah, go on. and I said do you have the same problem that other and he said no actually said so they've caught onto this trend of dry bars so they actually have a proper you know sort of barman yeah yeah who knows how to mix cocktails and all the rest of mm -hmm. it um, and they do amazing teas and things like that but what they they promote is the dry bar and he said actually we get lots of people who especially the younger generation now really when they're dining out yeah. don't feel the need to have alcohol okay whereas the older generation mm -hmm. who are non-muslim do like they can't imagine a meal without alcohol so yeah. because that's the way they've set up from day one mm -hmm. they've not had that issue at all Okay, that's yeah. really interesting. And actually, I love the way they, on their website, they're like, we don't serve alcohol at all, you can't bring your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's it's a very Muslim-friendly place, but at the same time, like I said, their menu's quite, you know, English. British, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. so, um, yeah, it's, it's nice to see establishments like that sort of making a move um, in that space and mm. hopefully other people will and not being afraid of it because the number yeah. of yeah. Muslim restaurant owners I've come across who are afraid to advertise that they're halal 
even though they are like completely no alcohol served, nothing, mm-hmm. don't want to announce it because they're afraid of the backlash. Mm. Whereas, what, do, what do they anticipate or what do they think? It is, do they think that they would just lose custom? Like, yeah, so I mean, the, there's going to be the whole worry about boycotting because they are serving halal, mm-hmm. right? Um, and look, at the end of the day, we're still a minority, aren't we? Yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. 95% of the population versus 5% of the population, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, and so that's a big business decision that they need to, to make. Mm. But, uh, you know, it's really, um, there's that restaurant and there's Kona as well up in Bradford. Okay. Who are really trying to say we're fine dining, we're pushing the boundaries on, you know, cooking techniques, ingredients, you know, all of that. Um, but at the same time being completely halal, mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that they're brave enough to do that and are actually being recognized, not just by halal media, mm-hmm. yeah. but by the broader um, world, because, mm-hmm. you know, f- you know, sort of whether that's top table, uh, I don't even know if top table exists anymore, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> those kind of publications, yeah. right? Um, then, you know, I think it, it, it allows other people to say, actually, there is there is a path. Here mm. that we can we can take mm. 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 most definitely and i think you know it's it, i suppose uh it, it's kind of affirmation already uh the mere fact that you know we mentioned earlier on you know your where halal dining club has reached in terms of you know on a business um kind of spectrum that you know like say re- regardless of the fact that only five percent of the let's say England is Muslim that you're able to do so well in a in a massively competitive market um, whereby you're mentioned in Forbes or you're mentioned you know in the top this or whatever well Um, I wouldn't go that far I mean mean, to me there's a long road still ahead you know I so I mean I did I didn't mean to cut you off no 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 but please when you when you look at for example the rise of Deliveroo or um, Open Table these guys have millions like you know multiple millions in funding right right. and we've had like 200,000 in funding right (laughs) there's a lot there's a big difference between what those guys can accomplish and what we can accomplish Mm. you know so yes it's fantastic that we we're beginning to get recognized but uh, I think a lot more needs to be to be done like Mm. if we if we really want this to be a world-class kind of example of yeah. a, a startup or a blog or whatever mm. we all in the industry need to up our game mm. but in order to do that you need resources too right right of so course. one of my big you know uh, sort of things that i feel that i wish there was um or i i noticed that there's a lack of mm. is that financial support and backing mm-hmm. you know for entrepreneurs i mean even for bloggers for example i'm, I'm not exactly sure but i can't speak for you but I would imagine that a mainstream blogger has a lot more sponsorship opportunities than a halal blogger does, right? Because right, right. your market is kind of limited. So, well, I mean, let's address that then, as in, in that how forthcoming have people been in terms of investment? Um, is it just Muslim investors that you get? Or is it others that can see, um, you know, this is a viable business model regardless of, you know, who uh, the target market is or what the product is? You know, what is your experience in terms of um, people coming forward and, for instance, uh, for yourself, uh, Fither? You know, have you had any interest from, you know, uh, others to help you grow and to help support the community? Do people see the need for this? Yeah, I mean, I guess that you can find the halal in my name, so yeah. it's a bit harder to push through to the non-halal, the non-Muslim industry. But I think um, there, there are definitely people out there who recognise that you know you're doing this in a halal space, but also there's there's more to life than it. So, yeah. uh, for example, if you go to a restaurant and they don't serve halal, 
you're going to find something else to eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I think people recognise that, and uh, the in I think with blogging, especially the bigger you grow, um, again, obviously you you do have mu- mu- many more sponsorship opportunities if you're. Uh, non-halal or in, you're not specifically in a Muslim industry but having said that the in if you look at some of the fashion bloggers or the lifestyle bloggers mm. um, for example Dina Tokyo's on you know she's one of the biggest bloggers in the country mm-hmm. she ha- is on YouTube and you see her in, on the train and posters yeah, which is yeah. amazing to see a, uh, a Muslim woman um, make tracks in that area so I think there are definitely opportunities it's just um, getting in the right space and to the right people definitely. I suppose it's not necessarily about how big a kind of uh, potential market you have but rather having a good following of like kind of loyal um, support or um, or kind of active engagement um, because you know you can say that you know there's X amount of million people that potentially we could um, you know kind of hit but sometimes when you have such a wide market you don't know who your target audience is sometimes when you have a specific you know group of people in mind uh, as long as you're the best within that kind of like you know field um, you can really achieve some success then I mean so, sorry so they go, go on, no, you I was gonna say, yeah. on that question actually, I have a completely different response which please is, please yeah, go, so, on, go I mean, on we talked about investment yeah. and um, most of my investors are not Muslim Really? So yes. this is what I was, yeah, it's interesting yes, to know. Okay. And actually, it's been the most difficult trying to deal with Muslim investors. Really? Yes. Please elaborate. We're, so we're not like we want to diss Muslims <laughs> or anything like that. That <laughs> no. wouldn't be what we want to but, do. But. Um, so, look, so, you know, when I first started kind of doing demos or, you know, uh, pitching to, yeah. to people, the first response I got was go and find a Muslim investor because they will understand your pain point, right? They, they will be able to validate, is it really difficult to find halal food or not? Right, right? you would think. So, and if you can make that connection with an investor, like if it's a pain point that they suffer with, mm-hmm. they're more likely to go, yeah, this is a real pain and mm-hmm. I do feel like there's a need to be solved. So... You're like, okay. And so you go and try and speak to Muslim investors. And, and absolutely, it is a pain. They mm. understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't have the risk appetite right. to invest in particularly tech startups, right? Okay. So they're used to investing in property. They're used to giving away lots of money for charity. And mm. that's absolutely fine. But to, to take a bet on a tech startup, it's not been done before, right? Mm-hmm. So can you name me like a Google of the Muslim world? It doesn't exist, right? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so that's the difficulty. So we're yeah. almost like pioneers in the space. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, those guys didn't get there you know, on without any money, they they had lots and lots of backing. Like mm. I was reading the story of Yelp the other right, day. Right. It was really big in the US, mm. and I don't know, but I mean, these guys basically didn't even have a business plan. So they got their first million by speaking to somebody who just made a bunch of money from PayPal, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And and said to them, look, you know, we've, we're finding it really difficult to find a review site. Like they wanted to digitize word of mouth, right? Yeah. And they couldn't find a review site in San Francisco. And this guy goes cool idea here's a million <laughs> right no business plan Only is that easy nothing, right <laughs> and then like a couple of years later they had like 10 million in wow. funding okay and they didn't i mean if you read their story they weren't even profitable at that point but people were willing to kind of say keep making those bets unfortunately with the tech startup world the whole idea of a startup is that it works at scale yeah it's a business model that works at scale right to get that scale 
there needs to be lots of fuel in the engine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's been the most challenging thing for, wow. for us as a startup. It's Sick. constantly being told, go find Muslim investors. Yeah. Muslim investors not having the appetite, not having that ecosystem to support us. And then the mainstream market going, well, yeah, but you know, mm. I mean, your growth and your numbers are never going to be as big as open table or TripAdvisor because you're dealing with a niche. Right, right, right. So, so then kind of, how do you find the response of the non-Muslim investors that you've had? Why have they been positive um, in comparison to, to Muslims you've approached, do you find? So really interestingly, they've, they've all said to me, I've got a Muslim friend and it's such a pain taking them out to dinner. Okay. <laughs> so they've been able to see that there is that problem. Wow, you know, I'm not okay. saying I don't have any Muslim investors. I have some, but right. the majority are not. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been able to connect to the problem through someone they know through business dinners or whatever mm-hmm. and and they feel like yeah absolutely you know obviously it's difficult to find mm-hmm. there must be a need for this and therefore there isn't anyone that they can think of as a household name mm-hmm. so there is an opportunity for someone to become that household name yeah. and yeah. let's take a bet you right. know mm-hmm. i mean is, is that a similar experience that you found Fidda, or have you had a very different experience in terms of muslim and non-muslim engagement um from a financial perspective or in terms of helping you know uh, uh people like yourself grow do you find that um the muslims are more receptive or they're more kind of like again you know um non-risk averse and therefore you know kind of like oh, have you I looked for really investment yeah, well, well, yeah. that's a good question yeah. have you well, looked for investment well the thing with bloggers is you yeah. don't you don't look for the investment when once you get to a stage the investment comes to you okay. so it's it uh, i can hand on my heart say mm. that not every blogger out there will be getting paid for what they do right. and it i only started monetizing a very short time ago okay. um because you do it and you do it and you just have to keep pushing through and then someone sees um that there's potential in this mm. and then we'll so, sort of start like Financially, was that person a Muslim? It was actually, <laughs> <laughs> but again, having said that, yeah. um, I feel in the halal industry, um, especially with the re- with, with the restaurants that I review, um, whether they're, I think it's just a restaurant business in general don't mm. like to part from their money right. uh, <laughs> which makes my job difficult yeah. like, cash is king yeah, yeah, yeah. so they'll give you a free meal and expect you to write um, a blog and Instagram and Insta stories and all that jazz yeah. um, and at one point I was totally happy doing that yeah. you know it's free food you can't say no to that <laughs> um, but I think it, there does come a time where you have to start sort of like saying well, actually I can do I can do this yeah um, and I think with non-muslims it was easier to pitch the idea because they have a lot more um, I guess appreciation of social media and what right. blogger puts into it because there's people don't understand there's difference between Instagrammers and bloggers you know yeah. Yeah. In, I can I put a picture up just like Instagrammers do but then I also have to spend a couple of hours editing the pictures putting them into a blog, writing them, making sure that it, it, it's all, you know, fun and jazzy and yeah, it's yeah. not boring to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like um, as a as a blogger, it's, you do, at, there comes a point where you do need that financial, and I, I feel non, non-Muslims are, are easier to deal with in that respect. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. On that note, so what is the... 
I suppose the hope for the future. I mean, it, this meeting within itself, uh, how did you guys come about meeting each other? <laughs> and do bloggers and, you know, uh, in terms of it, your app itself, like, do you, do you, how, do you, have you guys worked together in any capacity? Are there, are there ways in which, you know, the two can complement? Yes, yeah, so I reached out to you, didn't I, in 2016. Yeah. So I reached out to her about a year ago and I said, look, I, you know, I um, want to work with bloggers and I just want to get to know everybody who is in the space. And so we met and we talked about how we might be able to collaborate and work together because my idea was look I'm working with restaurants restaurants need exposure mm-hmm. so bloggers are a great way to you know help the restaurant get exposure to kind of connect bloggers to restaurants right, right? right. Um, and so that's kind of the basis that we we, mm-hmm. we met with and then you know also the opportunity to actually get content get her to like write content <laughs> for us you know um and uh, yeah that's how we initially met and then we just reconnected again mm-hmm. after a year yeah. <laughs> so discovered we were bo- both born in kenya <laughs> and, and both actually live sort of within yeah. a few miles of each other which is absolutely People hilarious people think this is like a podcast in our house or something I know. Like, like, it's yeah. not fyi <laughs> all the <street laughs> just come together like it's, yeah. um, yeah, hilarious, wasn't it? Because yeah. we, we both kind of travelled like an hour and a half to have a meeting somewhere <laughs> else, but we could have easily met <laughs> in our neighbourhood. So, yeah, so that is a massive part, though, I suppose. You know, bloggers supporting, um, you know, your your app in because uh, as a customer, if I'm looking for a restaurant, um, you can. Uh, provide me the restaurant in terms of you know as you say like uh, what the kind of like specifics are but so how we, do I we, get the detail yeah, of exactly. that restaurant well we blog as well okay right? interesting. so restaurants um, often have asked us you know well not just that but we also wanted to kind of show um, consumers that we understood the restaurants that we had right, listed right. We, it wasn't just we sat at just a, a whole lot finding and we yeah. kind of wrote something down yeah, you know yeah. we, that we actually go and visit all of these restaurants so that was one of our ways of conveying to people that look we physically go we visit and so on mm-hmm. but at the same time we wanted to grow our network of of bloggers yeah. and give them opportunities of, of basically writing and contributing on our platform mm-hmm. you know because it potentially could benefit their audience reach as well. Of course, of yeah. course, of course, so. yeah. And I do feel in terms of um, halal bloggers and mm. halal companies out there, um, it's it's a very intimate space because obviously I can think of probably about 10 halal bloggers that I will see at most events that I go to. Mm-hmm. Um, of which I go to quite a few (laughs) and it's really nice to see a familiar face when you go to an event organised by especially when it's organised by non-Muslims because they kind of know who the the top bloggers are and it's always nice to see a familiar face I guess Mm. and I feel like the halal food industry you know you hear so many stories from from my non-halal food bloggers and they tell you about how what vicious industry it really is right um and vicious is a is a a strong word and i use it very carefully but um i do you know there's a lot of competition um well i was going to ask that in itself mm. then you know when you meet other muslim bloggers do you find that it's a little family affair like you're saying or is it um is there some sort of secret kind of rivalry and competition between you? Or do you complement each other, like, again? Yeah, not at all, actually. Uh, a lot of the... Not at all you don't complement each other? No. Or not at all, like, no, no. I guess no, so there's, there's not massive kind of competition between you in terms of, you know, but I suppose, how does it... Because if you're reviewing a restaurant and somebody else reviews a restaurant, mm. um, you know, why would that clash? Yeah. Um, I personally don't think that there's rifts between um halal food bloggers i haven't experienced any myself and 
from what I hear from others yeah. that it's a it's a nicer industry to be in right. um, than say being a fashion blogger. Right. Um, I think because the thing is there is a certain amount of restaurants we all go to the same places they all serve us the same food yeah. so there's only so much that we can do but it's more tone of voice and no one can compete with your tone of voice right, right. Um, so I guess it's nice in that way and I think they're very they do like a lot of the hard bloggers do really compliment each other um, it is more of a family than anything else and mm. I know it sounds very like romantic yeah. um, <laughs> but um, but basically nobody's threatening to kill you because you said a restaurant was nice and they disagree that it's no nice. exactly I mean you'll always get the odd comment here and there but yeah. I think it's more um, a difference in opinion um, than I hate you <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um, it's, no, it's a nice space to be in interesting, really. interesting well then as I say where would you like uh, you know um, the London Haludi to go to you know how would you envision yourself in five years in an ideal world I would love to be able to um, sort of, at the moment, obviously, uh, I do food and I do a little bit of lifestyle, um, like halal traveling. And, you know, when I recently went to Iceland and there's a few halal places there. Mm -hmm. um, I thought you meant just Iceland down the road. As in, oh, like, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> I went to Iceland. I'm sure they do halal the frozen well. section, you know. Um, yeah. Okay, no, you went actually to the country. To the, to the country. Yeah, okay, yeah, um, yeah. It's very expensive, by the way. So if anyone is going, yeah. read my blog. <laughs> Um, but you know it's it's nice to be able to not only limit myself to London but yeah. I kind of I would love to be able to grow it to a, a platform where um, you know people come to it as uh, for advice and not just food mm -hmm. but just a halal life in general and when I say halal life I mean uh, what a Muslim lives through day to day you know the, the struggles ups and downs mm -hmm. Um, not only with food but d different aspects of life and I would love for it to grow into that space um, yeah yeah inshallah god willing I'm sure <laughs> it will and I mean similarly uh, Siddhika you know I mean how do you see the Halal Dining Club growing from, you know, in five years from now? Like, you know, what, what is the vision for you guys? So, um, like I said at the beginning, that for us, we really want to make a difference, right? But but embedded in that is we need to have a commercially viable model. Because right. if we don't, we have a lot of costs to support. Mm. So we, we basically won't exist, right? <laughs> um, so essentially what we've built over the last year, and in fact what most of our funding has gone to, is building a digital marketing and loyalty platform okay and this is like one of the first of its kind mm -hmm. you know um, in the space so the idea is we, we discovered restaurant owners didn't understand how to run their marketing didn't understand the value of loyalty um, so there's a bit of an education piece in there but what the app allows them to do from a back end is literally create a marketing campaign within 30 seconds okay. we made it super simple for them mm. it eliminates the need for them to hire an agency for example because they can do it themselves mm -hmm. and we do all the you know segmentation all the sophisticated stuff in the background so for us you know i want us to be um the the reason that businesses continue to grow right from a restaurant owner's perspective I want diners to be able to think, you know, within a couple of seconds, I'm in a new place in town or I'm just looking for inspiration on where to dine. Mm -hmm. And Halal Dining Club is the, the name that they think of. Mm -hmm. But importantly, 
I want them to also remember to review that restaurant because by doing that, you're helping feed somebody poor in the world. Mm. Okay. And so, Which is massively important. Yeah, and yeah. so that that is hugely important to us. So we want to feed, you know, our So with every review, there are people... Um, yeah, somebody mm. gets fed. Okay. Yeah, and wow. we, 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 ch- we chatted about that a lot in Ramzan, actually. Yeah. So yeah. We, we did get a few people writing reviews, but then, you know, <laughs> they've kind of fallen out of the habit <laughs> of doing that. So we'll we, remind them, <laughs> remind them, exactly. remind them. Yeah. Even review, feed someone in the yeah. world, you yeah. know. And so for us, that's a, that's a massively important thing. Mm. Okay, excellent, excellent. Well, look, guys, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure um, talking to you and learning, you know, more about the halal food industry and, you know, all the kind of like different variants within that. Um, hopefully we will achieve more Muslim investment. Um, <laughs> if we don't, then look, let the non-Muslims keep investing and show them, uh, show the Muslims how it should be done. Exactly. Um, but <laughs> the main thing is that we achieve the successes that we've, you know, stipulated or which we aim for in, as you said, um, you know, being able to provide a a kind of a hub, a central point for Muslims to access um, when they have questions regarding halal dining, be it via you know the London Haludi or be it via the Halal Dining Club. Um, and hopefully, as you say, in turn, we can do charitable work within that. So it's all, it's just all lovely, isn't it? It's all lovely. <laughs> it's, all lovely. No, but it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, hopefully we'll be having a, a future podcast and you know, we'll learn of how you've grown and, you know, what it's new sharp. heights and accolades you've achieved. I'll have to um, come back with three more next yeah, year. Yeah, 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 most definitely, most definitely. Um, but no, no, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Fidda, uh, Saeed, for joining us today and uh, wish you all the best and likewise to the Kajafa. We absolutely um, much appreciate your time. So, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Emotional. Um, I'm, I'm hungry now as well, actually. So, uh, look, guys, this has been the TMV podcast by um, the Muslim Vibe, uh, obviously sponsored now by um, Wahid Investment. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, that's all for me. Peace and love, guys. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Wahid helps you become a halal investor in minutes. Clients from over 40 states have already started their journey with us. Here's how it works. First, we ask you eight simple questions to recommend a portfolio based on your risk profile. You then select your portfolio and simply sign up online. Your account can be approved in seconds. After you fund your account, we'll place the trades for you. All you have to do then is sit back and monitor your performance. It actually is that easy.